You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Oh, and yes, you are listening to Orange County's longest running business talk show. And I am your host, Rick Franzi, and we have an exciting show planned for you today. Why do you ask? Because David Cristofaro is our guest. He's the CEO of Actionable Research. And David, welcome to the program. Thank you, Rick. Thanks for inviting me. I appreciate it. Well, I'm excited to have you. I always like it when I have an Orange County entrepreneur and especially when I have a founder because I get to ask the question that I love to hear the answer to, which was, take us back in time, David. The original motivation or maybe inspiration for you to start the firm, what was it? And tell us about the origin story. Sure. So uh, back, this was back in 1999. And if you remember back in that period, it was a really exciting time in terms of lots of new entrepreneurial ideas. You know, the web 1.0 was blowing up. Uh, companies that, you know, had n- no profitability. You know, you talked more about burn rate back then than you did, uh, you know, revenue and profit. Right. Um, and I was working for a company that served the Lotus Notes community. And so that ecosystem back in the day was very uh, entrepreneurial. So lots of small software developers, lots of small companies. And being part of that, it was just really easy to get excited about. I need to be part of what's happening right now. And I had a close friend who was very focused on uh, marketing research and some newer methodologies that were coming out for customer loyalty. And the idea was, let's build a system that can track customer loyalty for all of the you know billions of dollars worth of commerce websites that we're going to be. Actually, I mean, the numbers were in the trillions when they were predicting it back in uh, 99, 2000. And so, you know, compressing the story, we uh, we built a uh, business plan and uh, found investors, raised a million dollars in capital, won a, a Tech Coast Venture Network contest to present in front of a room of VCs. And we were told that, you know, it was going to be, we were going to be oversubscribed. But this was when the NASDAQ was at 5,000 in March. Mm-hmm. And by the time November rolled around, when the presentation took place, the NASDAQ was around 2,200 or so, and the room was empty. So folks had kind of moved on from the web, but what I didn't move on from was marketing research. And so uh, to add to that particular servicing, I just fell back on the vertical markets that I knew from my own experience, which was the medical device business and uh, technology. And so I began to look for consulting clients for market research. And that was the beginning of that back in, it was right around 2002. So it would have been July of 2002. So yeah, that was the impetus. That's what got me into this. (laughs) Those those of us who were in business at the turn of the century, remember how it went from the 1998, 99 to what the hell just happened in 2000. And, you know, the dot-com bust, bubble burst. Yeah, it reset a lot yep. of business plans, wasn't it? Yeah, burn rate, yeah. Who 
get clients. Customer acquisition was the was the screaming. Get clients and build your application. Build your website, right? Get all that built and and going, and we'll take care of the capital. And as time went, it was, you know, well, uh, what else do you do? (laughs) Well, I want to congratulate you on your perseverance because that type of experience could cause people to put their entrepreneurial goals on the shelf and go back to the day job kind of a thing. So I, I like yeah. that you're a you're you're a survivor. How long after you launched Actionable Research did you really feel in your gut that you had a business you could depend on that was going to grow and maybe thrive and succeed the way it has? I I would say that you know as you can imagine the first three years, uh, maybe four years even were pretty tenuous. Mm-hmm. You know uh, you're building a name. Uh, you know, one of the things that I tell people, you know, it, that are newer entrepreneurs is when you're in business doing something for just a certain period of time and you've served enough clients, people will come back to you, you know, that and that number builds up. So, you know, in the beginning, it's really all just running really hard and making sure that you service people better than your competition and that you make sure that they are completely satisfied because you know, many businesses fail because they don't satisfy all of their clients adequately. And, you know, they, they wind up running out of customers, so to speak. So uh, critical, but in 2008, it really was when we were, uh, had sort of hit our second leg of growth and began to experience, you know, that piece that comes with, I'm focused on growth rather than where's my next dinner going to come from. Yeah, if you're gonna eat, you've got to kill it that morning. If you, when you're an early stage entrepreneur, right? It's hand to mouth, hand to mouth. Yeah, so. yeah, and you have to make sure it stays dead. You know. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't want to get too graphic here on the Critical Mass Business Talk Show, but I remember when I started this business, which was 2007. Uh, I was wow. one of the peer groups that I was in. I asked those experienced entrepreneurs, "How long do you think it's going to take me till I feel this business has really kind of got it?" And the consensus around the table was probably three to five years before you really have a model that you can depend on. And I'm like, oh, my God, three to five years. And sure enough, it took about the five years before I really felt like, okay, I have a business that I understand. To your point, uh, some people who said no a while ago are coming back to me now and they're interested. So I have the I'm still in the show. So I have a chance to address them. So, yeah, yeah. for those entrepreneurs who are in the early days of your business, it may take you a little bit longer and cost a little bit more than you would like. But if you stay in the game, you should get the rewards. Yeah, I mean, definitely. There are certainly some forces at play today that are going to stretch that out a little bit, especially if you compare compare it to the last decade, right, to the 2010s, you know, where capital was cheaper, you know, the bar Mm. was a little bit lower in terms of return on investment. So, you know, that's a good thing to know, I guess, to be aware of that, you know, you may have to push harder longer to uh, have that happen. You know, you're, you're exactly right. The area era of cheap money and easy business plans are kind of gone. You got to really have a business model that makes sense. But let's talk about your business model. Let's talk about actionable. I love the name actionable research. It's, It's very graphic in my mind. But talk to me about who do you help? What problems do you solve 
and how are they choosing to work with your firm? Right. Um, so, you know, we're a primary market research firm, which means that we deal directly with the endpoints or those audiences that our clients are looking to understand, right? So rather than doing secondary research where we would look at work that's been done by others and compile it and, and draw conclusions, we actually design a study. We uh, work with our clients to determine what should that audience look like, that sample for the research. And then we look to basically, because we're more focused on product, new product development and innovation, uh, we wind up working more frequently on those kinds of projects. So either understanding unmet needs and determining uh, with really laser focus exactly what are the unmet needs that are most urgently in need of a solution. And then we also do work like pricing, helping our clients determine what an optimal price looks like, uh, doing forecasting, uh, and then a number of just tracking exercises. So like brand uh, tracking to make sure that your base of customers has a healthy view of you and, you know, to also surveil the market to see are any of my competitors breaking out Are any new competitors on the scene that I'm not aware of. Um, same thing for customer loyalty to be able to understand, you know, what uh, is driving your customers to return. Uh, and what you can do in order to increase that uh, loyalty rate. Uh, and then we do uh, work as well that is more exploratory or discovery. And we'll typically do that in a qualitative format. So that'll be either one-on-one -on -one interviews or we would call IDIs in-depth interviews, or we would do, you know, certain good old survey research. And, you know, nowadays with the tools that we have available for programming very effective, efficient surveys, uh, you know, tools to uh, manage the data that comes back and analyze it. Um, you know, it's an exciting time for market research because we deliver insights to our clients that help them build better products, service their clients better, understand their audiences better so that they can serve, so that the companies can hit their targets more effectively and and compete more uh, effectively. So, I mean, that that's actionable. And, you know, we're focused in medical device, dental and orthodontics um, in the aesthetics business. So plastic surgery, cosmetic dermatology um, and uh, a number of other vertical markets that we've just been involved with over time, like life sciences, such as um, working with you know, systems like PCR, um, working with flow cytometry, a number of different technologies used to uh, do drug discovery and, you know, just basic science for, uh, for discovery work. So was it conscious effort to be in those industries or was it happenstance? This, tell me how you ended up focused on those areas. Yeah, it's, it's interesting how these kinds of things happen because it really is in many ways, you know, led by circumstances and, and just good fortune or, you know, otherwise. Uh, the dental part of our business, we, uh, I had somebody working uh, with us, um, a lady named Ruth, who used to do a fantastic job. Uh, she was a, uh, 
and she was a former dental assistant. And so in that process, you know, she and I collaborated to basically enter and build relationships with a number of companies in that market. And through that, uh, you know, through that time and, and effort, we managed to, you know, have a 20 year plus relationship with a few companies that we began working with back very early on uh, when the company started. And uh, companies like Align Technology, 3M, uh, SB at the time, which is now um, OCSD, 3M OCSD, their dental division, um, ADEC, a number of brands, Dentsply Serona, uh, that are in that dental vertical space. So, um, yeah. And then the rest of it, medical device, I myself worked for Boston Scientific uh, a long time ago. <laughs> and uh, as a result of that experience and spending time in the operating room, I've had, you know, the, uh, the good fortune to be able to work with a number of companies that are focused in the medical device vertical. So that's, you know, it's, um, it's really, for us, it was based on where did I feel like I understood the vertical market well enough to be able to speak intelligently. And, you know, when, when you've had spent time in the operating room and you're doing an interview with a physician or a surgeon, it helps a lot if you have that context. Um, and, you know, I tried my best to leverage that as much as I could so that we, you know, could build our business and, you know, mostly successful, um, you know, to be able to use that experience I had. I think it's a best practice for the loyal listeners. They know I'm all about the niche for entrepreneurs. You can't boil the ocean. And to your point, if you get clients in a certain category, you begin to speak their language and understand yes. their business at a level that if you fly over it, you really can't maybe do them justice. And I would think in your business where you're really looking at getting data that is valid, signal from noise right? That is really exactly. Valuable. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, you know, we're, we're fortunate enough in that the way that our work research works, we actually design the research. So we design it. And so we choose the data, what data we're going to bring in. We already have a plan ahead of time in terms of how we're going to analyze that to get the results that we're looking for. So, you know, knowing what answers you could get, um, even knowing what answers your client would like to get has no bearing on, on writing objective research, but it's critical to understand what it is that the answers that they're looking to know are, right? Because you can write an objective question to give them an answer to their question. You can write a bad question to do that too, mm. but nobody wants to, the worst thing you could have happen to you is to have an idea that's flawed and to by some you know trick in methodology get better answers than you were expecting that, you don't want that because you're going to invest you know some untold amount of money on something that isn't good enough so that's our job is really to make sure that we give people objective answers so that you know they can uh, reach success as you're explaining that i can't help but go to the scenario where the company has a preconceived notion that they're asking you to test and your results come back counter to what they thought, you know, and how receptive are they to you telling them, well, you actually 
you want to shift it this way because this is where the market is. Did you ever have that experience, David? Yeah, that's not fun. I mean, and, and, <laughs> and there are times where they're competing. They're competing um, desires, right? You know, so one person in the room or two people might, you know, want answer A and other people might want answer B. And, you know, when you're delivering the answers, you know, that's when the questions come out like, so how did you do this? And how did you pick the people that were we talked to? You know, so you make sure experience teaches you, you make sure that your methodology and your choices are such that you're, you're allowing objective answers to be had, you know, rather than people just, you know, designing their own answer, you know, because, you know, checkbox research isn't real research. Nice. Yeah. So. And, and I applaud the companies that hire you and firms like yours to get data before they make decisions rather than their gut or what they think should be. So the, uh, congratulations on creating on a, an informed customer base and people who are moving forward. I'm wondering, Thank you. is artificial intelligence playing a role in your business or in your industry? And if so, can you kind of highlight how you see AI integrating into what you do? Yeah, this is, uh, this is something that's been a long time coming uh, and has been talked about for a long time, much longer than this, this current cycle. You know, so with chat GPT and this latest, you know, large language model that uh, OpenAI created that actually sort of, you know, went, went over the hump in terms of delivering real value in a very simple way, right? So you have this chat bot that can, you know, do research for you and pull things together. So, you know, right away, there's opportunities to do data gathering, uh, you know, and to pull together very simple answers uh, to create, uh, you know, different documents and uh, even surveys and whatnot that can, in fact, you know, give you a starting point. But I think as time goes, AI is going to be critical for a number of reasons. And if you look at the research process, you know, designing surveys is going to be, you know, probably one of the more challenging aspects. Although you can ask ChatGPT to write you a survey on, you pick the topic and it'll, it'll write out questions and answers for you. I mean, it, it's, I was somewhat surprised, but there's so much more to the process of drafting objective research and making sure that those questions are in the right order making sure that biases don't introduce themselves into the question order. You know, so AI is going to be a huge lever for us in that end, but it's, it, it's got a ways to go. In the middle section here where we're talking about processing data, and when I say data, I am equally talking about, you know, answers in a spreadsheet that goes sideways, um, but also recorded audio and video. And that is really where its strength is highest. Um, and uh, excuse me one second. And, um, and so that, you know, but in the middle section, being able to process audio and video is where it's really going to shine. So there are already applications that are summarizing these kinds of materials mm -hmm. um, and doing a good job at it. Uh, we're going to see AI 
doing a better job with uh, interactivity, I think, uh, in terms of being able to it, it be a, as an add-on for some of the features that come with uh, virtual reality and augmented reality. So there's still lots of opportunity that's untapped there that's going to be coming forward. Um, so, you know, AI has significant opportunity, you know, and on the analytics side. So to be able to put things in place so that your data that's coming in. So say if you're not like us, where we design a little sample, we gather it, we analyze it. You know, for those companies that are doing uh, data science, where they're coding, you know, streams of data that are coming into their companies, and they're trying to draw conclusions from that, AI is going to be a huge lever in that way. And it's going to get easier to program. So, you know, it starts out like being something that only a few people can do. And then as the technology migrates down, we get to a point where people can, you know, just type something into a browser like chat GPT, or they could train it with their data and get you know, better results. So it's super exciting time to be in our business. Um, and I intend to make sure that Actionable is, you know, in the middle of that. Um, so, so let's talk about the future then. What do you, what do you foresee? What's your vision for the company's future? Yeah. So we have uh, a number of initiatives that we're looking to drive forward. Uh, we have a relationship with a significant number of dentists and oral care professionals that we've been working with, gosh, almost 20 years. And that relationship has really const constituted us inviting them to do research. So spend some time with us doing a survey or an interview, we'll compensate you. Uh, what I'd like to do is take those individuals that we've earned their trust, uh, I hope, and to be able to give them somewhere where they can come to understand what's happening in their marketplace and to make it an easier process for them to engage with research and, and dental brands. And uh, that's something that you know, we're actively working on um, as well as introducing a new um, emotion scoring methodology that is focused entirely on audio. So if you can imagine our interview now, uh, it would analyze the audio and it provides a real-time stream with six dimensions of emotion based on that person's voice, cadence, their tone, everything. So it gives insight into, is that person happy, upset, anxious, et cetera? Hmm. And so when you're asking people questions about things, it's a very it's a very valuable dimension to understand, but it's very difficult to get objective right. because you can imagine if I ask you, tell me how you how you feel about this, right? It becomes cognitive. You think, okay, how should I answer this question? Right. Or you know, in, this takes away that whole component and it gives the raw answer based on that person's. Uh, you know, like once again, the attributes of their speech. And so that's something that we'll be bringing out uh, in Actionable in the next six months. And uh, a couple other things that are really new on the augmented reality side that I've been excited about for a long time. Um, and, uh, but we're too early stage to talk about. 
Well, we'll have to have you back, David, and you can share more with us. Okay. <laughs> if someone would like to connect with you, maybe on LinkedIn or visit your website or any of your social platforms, where do you say they go to find out more about actionable research? Yes. Um, primarily, the best place would be actionable.com. So go to www.actionable.com. You got that, huh? That's a good URL. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. That's a whole other story, too. I, I uh, wound up doing work as a trade for that domain back in 2002. Um, it was a dream come true. Right. But uh, David C at actionable.com is my email address. Okay. Um, and also on LinkedIn and uh you know, you can sign up for our blogs that we typically put up, you know, at least once a month. Sometimes the cycle is a little uh, tighter than that, but we're always putting up new uh, stories and whatnot on what we're doing and, you know, what's happening in the market. Well, thanks for giving of your time and being a guest there on Critical Mass Business Talk Show. I've enjoyed it. Thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it, Rick. It's been really fun. And I'd like to thank the audience. You're a part of Orange County's longest running business talk show. David's interview now goes into our catalog of over 1,400 interviews that we've done over the years that we've been on the air. You can find our podcasts on all the major podcasting platforms. You can see a copy of this interview on YouTube and my LinkedIn profile and maybe David's profile as well. And I, if, if, you're, if you're an Orange County entrepreneur and you have a story to tell, you'd like to tell it here on the business talk show, then reach out to me. I'm Rick, R-I-C, Franzi, F-R-A-N-Z-I. That's my LinkedIn profile. Coincidentally, that's our company's YouTube uh, website as well, rickfranzi.com. And Rick Franzi is our YouTube channel too. So it's all about Rick Franzi, just making it easy for, for people to find us. And until the next time we have a chance to be together, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. Thank <music> you.